Welcome to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of Brown Pride and Assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And Charlene, you know, we could be primos, maybe. If we look back in our history. Oh, I'm sure. Probably. Yeah, that's how it happens. Mostly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you just treat people like cousins most of, the, most of the time in this area. Well, yeah. Everybody's your tia, your primo, your cousin, your mija. And if you created a show about your primos... What would it look like? Uh, it would be a lot of brown kids driving in a van unseat belted to <laughs> California for a vacation. I love it. Ours really would look quite like a variety because there are a variety of colors in, especially my mom's side of the family, because mm, that's the side mm-hmm. that I'm closest to. Mm-hmm. So there, we have some very wet old blue eyed cousins we have some darker skin morenito primos um all of the you know just everything in between i'm kind of medium well in the in the mix well yeah then there would be my sister in the car and people would be like is she someone else did the neighbor's kid (laughs) get in the van on the way out of the driveway or what happened here but that's kind of the beauty of having a show or something that is reflective of your experience in your family absolutely and that's exactly what our Weedy Weedy is for June. Um, thanks for coming along this ride with us in a van with all of Charlene's primos, <laughs> <laughs> unseat belted. And we are this month going to be Weedy Weedying about the show that's on Disney that's projected to come out. And so far, we have only seen essentially a trailer, essentially the theme song for this cartoon on Disney. And it caused. A ruckus. The internet is ablaze, cat with ruckus. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we can roast some hot dogs over the blaze that the internet has on how people are upset with. And it, again, just to reiterate, it's just the theme song that we have so far. We, we have a trailer. It's I don't know how many seconds of a preview of this show, and um, it's enough to stir people the fuck up. And have individuals go do a breakdown, mm-hmm. almost scene by scene, to, to explain the criticism that, that they have for it. I'm here for it. Are you? I am. Okay. We, so we, I don't know how you feel about it, and I haven't told you how I felt about no. this show just yet. First of all, do you still watch cartoons? Mm, no. I had to think about it because I don't watch any new cartoons. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have kids around enough young young kids around enough Mm -hmm. to watch cartoons but i do enjoy and i know how this is going to sound and i totally i you know when i give my commentary about this (laughs) preview you'll understand (laughs) i do like bugs bunny and i do like ren and stimpy and i know the problematic shit that came especially with bugs bunny Mm -hmm. but the sarcasm and the cross-dressing is you know something i i find humorous Yes. Do you still watch? I mean, you have a younger child. So I have a younger child in the house, and she does expose me to the newer cartoons, Mm -hmm. which sometimes I'm like, what in the planet are you watching? (laughs) Like, why? (laughs) What are they saying? And what, you know, then I feel totally like I'm in my senora era talking shit about the new cartoons and the kids these days. But I, uh, I don't, I can't say that I will on my own choose to put on a cartoon. Okay. Fair enough. And the cartoons, some, so I have younger children. Well, younger, they're in their teens. 
and they they still watch re not reruns but they rewatch some of the Disney movies so mm, that that okay. is on but I really don't pay attention to it quite frankly I had mostly stopped watching after the little mermaid I did watch Encanto and Coco but I I haven't largely been in I haven't kept up I will definitely go see an animated movie um but as for watching a series an animated series I don't yeah that's not something I do but absolutely the new animated movies come out I want to go see it okay yes so let's go down this rabbit hole because apparently everybody else damn did on this show that's stealing okay so like I said we have only gotten the trailer or preview with the theme song for this this show and really it's just it opens up and it's this a 30 seconds or whatever of the main character who's nicknamed tater talking about how she was ready for summer and she thought she was going to be all cool and what have you uh, in her hood of terremoto heights Mm -hmm. and um and it's kind of ruined because she has all of her primos there hanging out for the summer Right. Her her full name is Tater Ramirez Humphrey, which I <laughs> find hilarious. <laughs> so cute. I liked Scooter. But we'll, and we'll get to the names in just a second. But so that's kind of how it opens up and it goes through in a very catchy tune, I will have to say. You said you listened to it several times. I did listen to it several times. I could not sing it to you right now, but it was very catchy. So yeah, this little girl, California, in her neighborhood, in her house, ready for summer, and then all of her primos descend upon her mm-hmm. and her life is ruined. Right. What could go wrong, Kat? Oh, where should we start? Just the opening scene um, with the sign terremoto heights Mm -hmm. and the sepia tone overall of the yellow kind of look to it Mm -hmm. those are the first two well no that's not even true she opens her mouth and it says oye primos and Mm. that caused so let's back up and and talk about that for a second let's go i will admit that i did not recognize at like if i wouldn't have gone if i wouldn't have read some of the criticisms i would not have recognized that oye primos was grammatically incorrect unless I sat there and thought about it and conjugated the shit out of the verb oír. I just wouldn't have, that's not something that I would have noticed. Is that something you would have noticed? No. Okay. So they, the criticism is saying that she should be saying oigan primos because she's doing a plural conjugation. Correct. And oye is singular. Right. Which I don't know that I've heard people say oigan in like a ever? billion years or ever. <laughs> Oye, gente, like that it to me that maybe that's a regional, maybe that uh, colloquialism, I don't know, but to my pocha Spanglish self, I didn't have a problem with Oye primos. N- nor did I. Um and as a matter of fact, I went down my own little rabbit hole oh, and <laughs> I did a search of my text messages for the word oye, and I use it quite a bit. As a matter of fact, some of the oldest text messages that I have kept, I know, I don't clean this out, but were like to you in 2016 using oye in a conversation. Mm -hmm. So I use it quite a bit. Now, granted, these are usually one-on-one conversations within the text thread. It's not like I'm texting 15 people on, you know, whatever, and saying, 
oye primos or anything or oye nothing. Mm -hmm. I just use oye. So I would never have really caught that grammatical error. Well, and even, so yes, to catching a grammatical error, but also regionally for me, that is appropriate. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't an error to find because people use it all the time in a plural context. Regionally and assimilatedly. Yes. And this is not to say, and I'm not pointing out that um, I couldn't do better in my language sure. or, 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 or. I'm pointing out that this is a very real place to be in terms of not having a perfected grasp of the language, mm -hmm. even though that was what my, that's my mom's first, lang uh, first uh, language. My father was fluent in Spanish as, sure. as well. So uh, that, that speaks to the creator, and we'll get to her in just a bit, but that speaks to where this focus is from and the experiences that this show is coming from. Also, a lot of the criticism that I saw really started digging into the people that are criticizing the show are in yes. or close to Latin America and not assimilated. They're mm. not pochas. They're not... Um, Latinos, they are still Mexicanos living in Mexico or Cubanos living in Cuba, whatever. It's not folks that are now in this in-between where Oye Primos is maybe not grammatically correct, but socially appropriate. Right. And one of the, so you went down kind of Twitter space for some of the complaints and criticisms Ooh, I did and I was looking at YouTube at some of the criticisms that they had online as well like either breaking it down frame by frame or mm -hmm. just hey we corrected it for you Disney and mm -hmm. um, they really did go through the conjugation and I, I wrote it down too of let's see it was the superlative the, in, the subjunctive indicative and imperative of the of the word or year um, but they also did they were saying like one in particular was the angry mexa was saying um that that's not what we would say anyway and and clearly the we is not necessarily the pocha borderland experience we and yes mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. granted la is a little bit further away from tijuana but it's still border-esque right um that's we would still be like you were saying it's a socially appropriate for some communities yes not for everyone and we get that and this show ne wasn't necessarily made for everyone well this is not an academic spanish lesson that's animated <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun cartoon obviously so that criticism for me i'm like eh. Eh. okay whatever take it that one actually made me a little bit um that brought up some of the the feelings that i have about being a pocha Right, absolutely. That's, that was one of the ones that I was like, oh my God, when I speak, they are listening to every single little fart and, you know, they can hear how nervous I am when I say things and they know that I'm not conjugating well and and this is exactly why I don't like speaking in front right. of native speakers because they are going to pick apart the things that I say. And I think there's a difference in how you are received depending on 
where you are, what the situation is. I mean, if you walk in as a court interpreter and you have total bocha Spanish, yeah, you shouldn't be there and that should not be the role you accepted. If you are trying to have a conversation with a, a family member you haven't seen in a long time and they damn well know your Spanish is bad or you're walking into a store and you're trying to figure out how to communicate something, a lot of times I've found that people will receive you well because you're making an effort mm -hmm. in the same ways that I try to really give grace to folks that you can tell English is not their first language. Um, it's easier for me if their first language is Spanish because we can figure it out together. My bad Spanish, their not great English can make a, you know, happy little medium somewhere. But there are people who are just going to criticize and that's not on the person trying it's on the person who's being judgy and that's what this sort of feels like yes and again that kind of goes to the heart of where we're at and why we even started this this podcast exactly so the second thing that they were looking at was um and i had mentioned it and i, I needed a backtrack because it opens up with her mouth opening with oye primos um, so Terremoto Heights, mm -hmm. the, just the name of the, and it's supposed to be like a suburb of LA and there's, you know, there's Highland Park, there's Inland Empire, there's long, there's so many other little like neighborhoods and cities, um, clustered in and around LA and to make up, you know, have a fictionalized place where they live in a state that's known for its earthquakes Mm -hmm. And this is one of the ones that I could kind of see where when they had said that having that as a city name was tone deaf, I can I kind of get where they're going with this. Not because California doesn't have earthquakes and Terremoto is an earthquake, but because of the history in some Latin American countries of how earthquakes have clearly flattened whole cities or blocks or the damage that's done and the inability in some cases to to bounce back from an earthquake and how devastating it can be. Okay, that one could have been kind of sifted through or gone through a couple more edits um, or used another term for earthquake that might have been, that might not have evoked as much emotion about the terror and the trauma that is an earthquake. I kind of get that one. But that was one of the the criticisms was the name of the suburb itself right so someone uh so atheist bunny which i'm gonna go back and reference later but um said that naming that terremoto is like naming a town in the usa 911 hills so 911 hills like um because of the damage that that incurred from 911 that's that's what they're trying to equate right right okay but earthquakes happen in L.A. all the time. It's an act of God. This is not something Mexicans did, Latinos did. This It's an earthquake, and they happen. So I get, okay, maybe it could be a little insensitive because earthquakes are not a positive thing, but like... But it's 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 correct in its surrounding. Like in exactly. that setting in it California, happens. it's it a real thing. It's a real thing. And, I mean, I just want to point out, there are lots of cities across the United States that are named weird shit. Like, we have a town in New Mexico called Socorro, which mm -hmm. means help. help. Or Pe people are not losing their shit about that. TRC, which was legit named after a game show. They got money to name their city after a game show, Truth or Consequences. Mm -hmm. That's the name of a city in, Las Cruces, or in New Mexico. 
So there are a lot of cities, and we kind of poke fun at some of the ones that we see, right. like Hershey, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Right. Um, so, but that one was probably the closest that I got to. I was okay. I could kind of see where they're going, and maybe they could have tested that among viewers a little bit more. I don't know. To me, and again, all we have is trailer. We mm-hmm. don't have the full context of this animated series, but it seems to me like the creators are poking some fun and causing a little bit of conversation and chaos in the life that these folks are living which is a little bit wild like it's tumultuous and this feels like that lends itself to the name which I don't think was accidental so I don't think it's like oh yeah let's just say earthquake and like leave it at that I don't think it was accidental I think it was very intentional to point at the uncertainty and the volatility of having all these primos running around jacking up your summer right no that's so totally true because even uh one of the one of the things that our kids say or our parents have said about little kids who are like little terrors as they call them remolinos <laughs> so they're like little <laughs> little tornadoes right so because they can be chaotic and messy and leave leave a path of destruction in their you know whenever they're in the living room and all of their toys and their legos and all of the things exactly so okay I kind of understand where they were going with this, but hearing from you makes it make a little bit more sense. Like it was intentional because it is a chaotic situation with all the primos. Like, bro, have you ever been on an elementary school field trip? (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you what. (laughs) Like, let me just tell you what. Uh, It's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So then the other thing that, that I had mentioned within the first several frames was the like yellow tone of it. Mm-hmm. So I kind I want to get I want to get your feel on it first. So you're referencing, um, and I saw some of the screenshots. People were comparing this yellow or sepia overtone that this trailer has that other cartoons, animated series, do not have. Like there's a clarity. Right. Mm-hmm. So folks were saying it it plays into Latinos being dirty. Or that there's this haze about their life. Some people were like, maybe it's L.A. smog, which, you know what? Plausible. Totally plausible. Right. Environmental justice. Let's talk about it. Where does this happen? Where do we not have clean air? Let's talk about the neighborhoods and the people, the brown and black people that live in those neighborhoods that don't have clean air. Um, I am not. So this is probably one of those things I wouldn't have noticed would not have noticed i am not i don't have an eye for those kinds of things i don't notice those things until someone points them out to me i honestly don't know what to make of that one and i would need to do a little more digging into when this is used how it's used i am probably just the super easy audience person that just falls right into the trap of whatever designer (laughs) set that out for me to fall into because i don't i don't know that i would have noticed that and i don't know what to make of that so I noticed it, um, but again, when I lived in LA, it <laughs> there were days where you could not see the ocean. Just that's right. just a reality. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I did notice in, in one of the breakdowns of it on YouTube was that they did side to side comparisons of American films made about 
let's say Mexico and Mexican films made about Mexico and yes they were being very specific to Mexico and there is a yellow tinge in in the movies that that have been used uh, in the American films depicting Mexican cities Mm -hmm. so that that's a very real thing Mm -hmm. and that's I think there is something to that that is like okay what are you trying to say about a third world like leaning into the third world country stigma all of the things so interestingly I that brings up for me an experience that happened not that long ago driving through El Paso on a road where you can clearly see Mexico you know a stone's throw away Mm -hmm. like you can see across all the houses there's colorful stuff there's all the things Mm -hmm. my husband was telling me um, that he remembers thinking about how the air looked dirtier sometimes just across the border and that he used to think that in the winter you know people burn tires mm-hmm. they burn all kinds of stuff to stay warm but then he started noticing it also just throughout the year and was like what the heck is going on he used to work do a lot of work in El Paso so he would drive out there a lot sure and then spending a lot more time in Mexico because he goes racing out there and does work out there and all the things he's like there's a lot more dirt roads Mm-hmm. And just people driving on dirt roads naturally yeah. causes a lot of dust to be in the air. And if you're looking at it from afar, there's this general haze of dust that's in the air because of the dirt roads. So, again, is this rooted in some reality that's not a poke at cleanliness, is not a poke at uh, lifestyle or third world country, but just sort of this real experience that someone has equated with being Latino or being in Mexico. Now, I don't know what that says that this is set in L.A., but just an experience that this brought up for me. So a couple things of what you were mentioning. One is we would really have to go down not just a rabbit hole, but like do a dissertation on cinematic views of, and I think it would be fair to do like third world countries versus industrialized countries Mm -hmm. and how they're they are depicted sure either made in or made up but that's like a whole ass like that could be your phd thesis on cinema right i am not siskel and you are not ebert and we are not doing that not at all um so just based on a couple of the pictures it was like okay i guess you know you can pick and choose from some movies how each of them is depicted based on where they were made okay that but when you were talking about dirt roads that was one of the things that came to my mind was like if someone was filming El Paso or Las Cruces Mm -hmm. we would have kind of a haze not just because of the dirt roads because we are in a rural area Mm -hmm. and you know just coming from where from door to door from my front door to your front door we move from a little bit more of an urbanized to a more ruralized like you live more in the rural areas so right. there is more dust and pickup and stuff here there's mm-hmm. also more mosquitoes i'm going to put in a complaint with you about that well um but also there's a lot of like smoke that happens from and this happens in la as well mm. if there's a fire mm-hmm. you get this little leftover smoke in the sure. air regardless sure so those are very real things and having lived in la I, I noticed the yellow, but I was also I was also thinking that was true to my experience <laughs> having lived there. <laughs> it's also true to my experience living here because right. it's it it is what it is. Right. So that one I I was like mm, I don't know I think you're being picky pants. 
And this criticism for me was the one that I was like, maybe there is something there. I don't know enough about that area or the design element of the creators to be able to really critique this one. So this one was the one that I was like, I don't know. Interesting. Okay. And I do remember when I was living there that uh, a former um, person that I was seeing would talk about when she was going to school as a younger person um, that they did have days where they could not go outside and play because Mm. there was so much smog. The air quality was so bad. Yeah, that they just, it was going to be bad for the kids out there playing. Mm -hmm. Um, So they did have just days that you stayed in the air quality has gotten better because of emission statewide emissions mm-hmm. for vehicles all mm-hmm. you know so on and so forth but it's still it is still not where you can see from a you know a vantage point of you know on top of the hollywood hills you still cannot see the ocean on a daily basis yeah so i don't know that when i was i was like mm, if you haven't lived there maybe mm-hmm. maybe this is this is when you should sit out right yep okay Okay. So that was, and again, I cannot reiterate enough that this is several things in a 30 to 45 second <laughs> I know. This, yeah, we could be talking about a full length movie right now, but no, no. So a couple things that were, like the shoes on the line, they were mentioning um, how typical, stereotypical it is for the shoes to be hanging from mm-hmm. the electric lines. And it can mean different things in different places. Mm-hmm. So in some places, it's supposed to indicate if there's a drug dealer right. and some... In my neighborhood, it was just prob- like a prank or something. Someone just right. tossed it's their just shoes up there. Or someone did die and they se sure. colgaron los tenis, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't think anything of that one either. Like that one wasn't like a blaring like, oh my God, they're saying something about her neighborhood being unsafe. That was not the indication I got. To me, that was just, oh, that's copia in El Paso. Yeah. No, not mm-hmm. a thing for me. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of going through a couple things that are... Um, like quick to go through because there was one big one that had to do with the names and that one we could spend a little more time on. Mm-hmm. Um, so one commentator on YouTube was looking at the character differences specifically between the lighter skinned or the white characters and then just to say that the main character, her dad is white, her mom is Mexican. And so some of the kids look more like dad or like uh, other cousins who are from the dad's side and some of the kids are, are looking more like mom's side but the the show itself is supposed to be multicultural so there's a variety mm-hmm. a panoply if you will wow. of of uh ethnicities i guess so one of them was just breaking down looking from one character to another on how they were drawn differently based on their perceived race or ethnicity so that one though i um i don't know i, d- I didn't quite follow on that one so much because they all had flaws. It's a cartoon about kids who have braces and pimples. Also, my fully biological sister and I look nothing, nothing alike. alike. So genetics are weird, mm-hmm. and I won't pretend to understand them and recessive genes and all the shit. Um, God does what he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and again, it's a cartoon. I don't, and we don't know who these damn kids are. We have no idea who these damn kids are. It's a trailer. Right. We're making a lot of. Lots of assumptions about what is happening in this little tiny thing. Um, Again, this criticism, I also, 
I applaud them for representing the multitude of colors that can exist in one family. Mm-hmm. I think, I hope they dig into the colorism a little bit, whether it be in a joking or a serious manner, because that's a real thing in our families. And yeah, I don't have a problem with this criticism either. Same. I didn't either. Yeah. So let's get into the names, because this one was this one was a. They really did go through. Uh, in in some of the breakdowns, they went through name by name of the characters so the main character is tater as you've mentioned (laughs) i want to know what her real name is and why they (laughs) nicknamed her tater because this cracks me up um and so uh, these are not in any particular order because i don't know that they clumped them it was a trailer did they clump them by family i don't know right uh so there's nelly bb lita bud tere tabi tonita chacha gordita there's a big nacho, a nachito. <laughs> and then the first time I heard it, and I had to hear it several times for this one because this this one a lot of people were mad at. The little baby, who by the way has a hearing aid. Oh. I heard Coquita the first time I the first mm-hmm. time I listened. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the IMDB, it is Coquita. Mm-hmm. And that one was the one that 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 and the gordita. Mm folks had a big the biggest problem with so apparently um cuca or cuquita is slang for a vagina mm-hmm. which i did not i was not aware of that also have you ever known anyone named cuca yes absolutely me too and she's an old lady and i never thought of a vagina when i saw her i have the, i'm i was gonna say the same thing <laughs> she's a family member yeah. Tia cuca yeah i had never known that to be no and they and and this goes back to colloquially god i said that right thank god what is Mm -hmm. what you are used to having heard been around right because for sure if if kuka or kukita was used in that way in 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 the terminology in this particular new mexico texas mexico borderland area Mm -hmm. As slang for a vagina, I guarantee that the okuka would not be the akuka. I also guarantee you'd have known that, mm, and yes. you would have said it a <laughs> lot more than you have. <laughs> this is the most I've ever actually said her name in my life. <laughs> yeah, this again, just regionally, I think there are definitely differences in slang words and what we say and what we know to mean other things. This to me didn't feel like a problem either. Mm-hmm. So, right, and I actually was a little bit upset because this one particular youtuber was really harping on this for several minutes about this particular name saying basically anywhere in mexico this is a name that everybody knows and i was like my mom has never said word one about pobrecita tia vagina yeah (laughs) not a once (laughs) no No. Yeah, so that one did not resonate with me. Like, I don't know why we're mad at this because that is a legit name in this area. And you bring up something important when somebody starts saying everyone and always these entire generalizations that you're making about whole countries or whole families even. Sometimes know your place Mm -hmm. and, and recognize that maybe you don't know everything and that's okay. And that... So, yes, and that brings up to me in my brain, like, but you don't speak for me. Exactly. And my experience. And so, therefore, I also can only speak to my experience and shouldn't speak for every single 
bocha at a crossroad of assimilation and and brown and assimilation right like that's not my place but we can speak to what we are experiencing here and even between you and i our experiences are vastly different even though we have we were raised like 45 minutes apart we had enough of a commonality in our experience between assimilation and brown pride that we have a whole podcast (laughs) and we every episode every weedy weedy talk about how the identities that we carry and the privileges that we carry have brought different experiences to our life have created me walking into a grocery store and you walking into a grocery store we can have a completely different experience on the same day at the same time with the same shoppers because of how we look and Mm -hmm. how we speak Mm -hmm. and that i i think we are in such a desperate place to find belonging and where we fit in this world that we want to polarize and name and categorize every single thing that isn't us so that it will make more sense to us and this feels like an example of that to me okay i have a i have a question about the other name that that people were really like kind of yes let's talk about that because this one i feel like i can say more about okay so one of the there, there have been times where we have used nicknames um, like Orange is the New Black. Jackie Cruz's character was nicknamed Flaca. Yeah. So we have used uh, adjectives as nicknames, mm-hmm. sometimes not in the nicest way. Mm-hmm. So like El Gordo y la Flaca, right? Like right. that show, mm-hmm. clearly speaking to the gentleman who is a you know, thicker gentleman. Mm-hmm. So one of the characters is Gordita, and she happens to be thinner. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like it's like in a gang where they're like smiley, but smiley never smiles. Right. Right. So it's calling her, and we don't know the backstory. Like she could have been when she was born cheeky. Right. And it just stuck. Right. We don't know. Or it's a joke because she is so thin. Right. That you call her the opposite name because mm-hmm. it's funny. And, and adjective nicknames can be really problematic because they can particularly when you are talking about body size there can be a lot that goes into someone's perception and and how they digest that across their lifetime that can be problematic for someone and and our families do it all the damn time all the time i was very thin as a child um Still as a child, I'm still a child, or yes. I'm still <laughs> yes, um, to both. But my family would call me Skinny Linny. Like, oh wow, that was a nickname that I had, and I I think there's more stigma placed on folks that are thicker or larger or have a name that would allude to them being larger bodied. But uh, I never had an issue with that, um, and that may very well be because. There's not as much stigma. There's not around as much stigma around being thin. Thinny, linny, for sure. Okay, so recently, um, in having a conversation with some of my father's siblings, I had found out, and I'm not going to actually name it because I think it's that it's not it's it's that terrible mm-hmm. in my opinion. Sure. Maybe she grew up with it and was fine with it, but the nicknames that my grandfather had given some of his kids, and I was appalled, <laughs> like yeah. appalled. Absolutely. Yep about not just size but skin color uh, and that's I what was i was gonna like, say mm-hmm. holy sh-. and so c- circling back to the show again 
30 to 45 seconds of a theme song. We don't know the history of it. We don't even know if it's going to be addressed in a way where she changes her nickname sure. or asks the family to change Absolutely. her Absolutely. So we don't know the backstory. That was also not, it wasn't problematic. It also just didn't sit well. It, it's a reminder that we we now are in a better place where we understand the outcomes and long-term consequences of the things that we do as parents, as mm-hmm. siblings, mm-hmm. as, as, as. And so that one is like, okay, hopefully there is a better outcome than just keeping it in the, as gordita long-term. It didn't, it didn't make me upset, but it was also, maybe this is a learning moment that they are going to address down the line. And maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Right. Right. Yeah, we don't know. That's the point is we don't know. And to me, the bigger picture of that beyond the name is does this or some of the criticism was that this is feeding off of cliches and stereotypes. Right. For me also, many stereotypes are rooted in reality. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those. Mm -hmm. Do you have a cousin named Gordita? Probably. Flaca? Probably. Chata? I do. Mm -hmm. Like, it happens. Is it right? Is it wrong? That's a different conversation. And how they handle it on the show, to your point, I'm very interested in now. But as a stereotype, maybe. But it happens. Right. In my literal family right now today, I have names in my phone. <laughs> and I probably don't know their birth names because I have never heard them spoken out loud. Same. Yeah. For a lot of my older family members, not as much the younger ones. Yes, true. But I don't, even if I tried to look up my Tia Kuga's obituary, I would have no idea what her first name is. Stop saying vagina on this show. Mm. (laughs) If I, (laughs) we're going to have some feedback on Twitter. (laughs) Did you count how many times they said Kuka and Kukita? Wow. 21, 22. It's too much. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about the creator for a second because yeah. we were just talking about the Pocha podcast and our experiences and what we bring to the show. Mm-hmm. So the creator, um, in an interview that I had heard with with her, and her name is Natasha Klein. First off, she is she's previously worked on other animated shows. She had an opportunity to bring this show to light, which is based on her experience with a white parent and a brown parent mm-hmm. living in the sub in a suburb of California or of Los Angeles mm-hmm. and her experience being raised in a multicultural family very similar to the characters that are on there in fact she said there was more she whittled it down to the 12 that are in there oh my god so <laughs> I mean it is her experience and she is bringing that forward Mm -hmm. to me this is so important because it brings up for me the reason we started this podcast and that is because the experience of someone who is living at that intersection of assimilation and being brown is so criticized Mm -hmm. and so picked apart And that is exactly what is happening to the creator, Natasha Klein. I was reading some of her responses and it was very much, she's been traumatized by this. Like it felt very much like she, this is her personal experience and people are picking it apart. Like that's wrong. That wouldn't happen. This and that. She's like, bro, like it literally fucking happened at my house. You can't tell me this didn't happen. Whether it's exaggerated, whether it's dramatized, whether it's for an animated series and making it more entertaining 
but it's rooted in the truth that this person has lived and people are saying like no how do you say no to something that happened to someone but yet we're doing it and so this felt really close to this podcast for me which is why I wanted to talk about it one of the other criticisms that I read was that um again by this whoever uh atheist atheist bunny (laughs) I was gonna say bad bunny but that's (laughs) that's not it um is full houses don't happen anymore what like this doesn't this just doesn't happen I'm like you know what I am so excited for you that in your place as a multi-generational citizen or person living in the United States that no longer has to be your experience living here come to New Mexico right I was just gonna say we not even 30 minutes away from us within this within the exact spot that we're sitting in right now we have colonias which are places that don't have running water and no electricity but people live in these communities so talk to me about not having generations living together in one place generational housing is the way people survive in our communities to this day absolutely we can throw a rock and hit a house where multi-family housing is happening Mm -hmm. this is real this may not be again your reality don't pretend you speak for all of us and and i think they made it clear on on, in the trailer again 30 to 45 seconds Mm -hmm. that it was a summer thing so yes while we know of people we know of families we know of communities that live day to day 365 plus the extra day on leap year where multi-generational multi-generational families live this was their summer which i remember spending some summers with cousins and Mm -hmm. so there was chaos and different you know different primos who were inhabiting the same space at the same time for a summer not even for full you know year round so it it not only happens it happens day to day in some communities and yes and going back to the creator this happened to her Mm -hmm. so she's not maybe she the storyline fits in with a stereotype that stereotype is rooted in some kind of reality because we see it every day doesn't this go towards the thing that we are trying to fight against all the time in terms of white supremacy which is um someone else telling our own stories narrating our own stories except in this instance it is our own people trying to over narrate or create or correct something that has actually happened to us so this isn't even this is that proximity to whiteness and us trying to tear each other down so that i don't know you can feel special you can get your 15 minutes of twitter fame i don't know like La Bad Bunny over here, <laughs> who also named that the se- the setting looked like Breaking Bad. Wow. Which to my, uh, like my first response was, when's the last time you've driven down Central in Albuquerque? Because <laughs> it's a real place. I hate to break this to you. That's it's real. It's, yeah, parts of that were stereotyped for a reason. Stereotyped yeah. for a reason. For good, bad, or otherwise. Exactly. So at the end of the day, like we are not the audience members, right? Like we're not we're not the ones that they are looking at bringing in to watch. This is going to be mm-hmm. for younger generations. Well, but technically, no one's the audience because <laughs> it's a trailer. So, <laughs> okay, but to your point, having yeah. seen the trailer, gone down some of these rabbit holes, would you let your daughter watch it? 
Absolutely. I, I will now encourage her to watch it, and now I will watch it, because I want to know if I should be pissed off at all of these criticisms that I'm excusing in this moment. Right. I need to know if I need to backtrack. I want to know if we need to redo this whole weedy weedy. <laughs> we, can, we can certainly replace that. So I'm going to circle back on something that you had said earlier, like A for effort. Does Disney get an A for effort on this? Disney gets... Um, I don't know about the A. Okay, hold on. Let me think about this. So Disney's trying. Disney's trying. They're, uh, are they elevating the voice and experience of a person of color, a woman? Absolutely. I love that. Are they putting their resources and name behind this story? Yes, I love that. Um, are they fighting DeSantis every second of the way in Florida? Yes. Okay, maybe Disney gets an A. <laughs> I just had to think through it. So one of the complexities for me with this is obviously there is a history with um, with Disney, right? Like yes. For the most part, their princesses were white. Absolutely. Um, I had the biggest problem with some of the princess narrative because it was showing that women had to suffer in, their, in order to be able to find love or even worse, the goal was to get a man. Be rescued. Right. Um, yeah. They have other shows mm -hmm. that are problematic, like Song in the South. Like, they just have a problematic history, right? Sure. As as do a lot of media companies. And every fairy tale ever. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and even in recent history, they tried to uh, copyright, trademark um, Dia de los Muertos, right? So, yeah, like, oh, they, yes. ha they have a history. They and do. it wasn't, it's not like it's back in the 60s or earlier for for these these shows or these sure. these problems you know recent history um they also have resources like you said to uplift different stories mm -hmm. different storylines different storytellers mm -hmm. and this is one of those areas where a for effort in finding someone who has been doing the work on different animations and bringing that story forward because it is a story that is shared even if some of the common even if not all of the commonalities resonate Right. Or even if even if some of the characters or whatever resonate with different bocha folks across the country, right? Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I would say is they also have the resources to be vetting some of this before it it goes up. Mm -hmm. So, and by that, what I mean is um, not that I would have wanted her to change her experience. Um, uh, Natasha to change her experience and how it's seen however they do have opportunities especially in LA in that market to have just viewers watch the watch the trailer get some feedback on it um, and see if the creator wants to make any changes based on feedback again not like we're trying to force her to change her narrative or her experience, but certainly trying to test the waters and see what kind of outcomes can happen. Because we do that all the time for movies. There have been some movies that have several endings, and then they test it with audiences, figure out which one sells, and they're like, bingo, we're going to go with you know, ending sure. A. Mm -hmm. So that is the one area where I'm like, okay, you get an A for other areas, even with the problematic history. And in this one, I think you could have spent a little bit more time, again, not to change her experience, because I bet you a hundred bucks that if this, if the story was 
she took it to uh, test audiences and had to change, had to scrap it and change the whole thing. Then those same people who were mad about what what we're seeing now would be mad that Disney was making her change it. That's what I was just going to say is even then, I think, first of all, if that happened with every black centered or Latino centered or even say Res Dogs, which Mm -hmm. is one of the few indigenous centered shows I can even think of, I don't think they would ever make it to market because who's your test audience? Mm -hmm. Who are you looking to to have approval? Probably not black and brown people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if those would have ever made it to sh- production if these test audiences were not um, maybe big enough, culturally diverse. I don't know. I also think at the end of the day, like there are people that are obsessed with the Kardashians. Oh, God. I will not watch four seconds of that shit because I cannot stand it. There are people that are that hate the show Shits Creek. I will rewatch it as background to my workday <laughs> because I find it mindless and hilarious. Not everything is for everybody and that's okay. Don't fucking watch it. That's how I feel. And if an if there's enough of an audience that gets behind it that relates to your story that is saying some of the same things that we are saying, then it'll be enough of a success to have a few seasons and move forward. And that, you know, is what I hope for Natasha Klein. That is what I hope for this Disney taking a chance. Um, Could they have done more research? Maybe. What would that have looked like? I don't know. I don't trust that process if Disney's Mm. running it either. So maybe that's a whole other conversation. Um, So good point, Kat. I just don't know that if we... I mean, look at the people who are judging the Academy Awards, the Oscars, the, the, like we always say there's not enough representation. Well, why? Because who are we trusting to judge our experience, to represent our experience? They're not our people. They're not going to see it in the ways that we see it. So I don't know. I don't know about that one. Good point. Interesting. I, I kind of... Even in, in even in it coming out of my mouth, I'm I'm also kind of kicking myself because I remember when I worked for uh, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, we went to go watch Kinsey. So it's a movie about that um, he was some some kind of like sex scientist or whatever who did the Kinsey scale of of queerness or straightness. That's a thing. That's a thing. What? Oh, can I take this test? Oh, um, you don't even have to. I'm giving you. A, okay, but I want an official score. <laughs> straight, straight, straight. Um, so we went to go watch the movie before it hit the theaters as okay. as employees mm-hmm. and give our feedback about it. Great. Um, because it's it's one of those instances, and I swear to God, I'm getting to a point. I know. <laughs> So it's one of those instances where it's a, a story with a queer lens that wasn't written by it, mm, queer mm-hmm. individuals, and, and it was written for a broad audience. Right. But obviously, GLAD being the organization that it is, that's its whole mission is to evaluate if um, representations on, uh, from the queer community are done in such a way where oh by straight for straight audiences okay you got it wrong right mm-hmm. so even in talking about the ability that disney has to test run just the theme song and this 30 seconds of a trailer um i'm even going back on that and and even backpedaling now because it's like it wasn't 
a, a multicultural family story that was made by a white person for a white audience or even a wide audience. Mm -hmm. It was a show that was created from someone, a brown person's personal experience. And I don't know if the if the entire team behind it was uh, of color. Right. But the voices, it wasn't like back in the day where they brown faced and, and used sure. actors. The voices I looked at, at that, they, that they had are people of color, mm. um, so on and so forth. So I'm kind of backpedaling even on that because it's like, okay, but then, like you said, who is the audience and would the creator even be, wouldn't Tasha even be like, okay, let's test it and see if I need to change things because what if she just doesn't want to fucking change the representation of her experiences? Yeah. But no one, not everyone's going to be happy. Never. And with social media the way it is, mm -hmm. and we have these keyboard warriors yep. who, um, again, speaking generally about a monolith of a Mexican experience to say that cuca is, I had to get it in one more time, <laughs> is slang for vagina. And saying that across the board with everybody who is of Mexican heritage, even that is not the case. So this isn't for everyone. And likewise, every opinion about it shouldn't be generalized so much to say that the entirety of Mexican culture and Mexican people should be mad at this because of the name Cuca. There, one more time. Um, you just reminded of me of that song, No Te Metes Con Mi Cucu. Yes. <laughs> so that <laughs> is a different thing. And that's not what we're talking about. Um, I love that song. Are you going to watch? I will watch it just to, again, like you, see if I have to backpedal on this and if we have to erase this particular weedy weedy. And, well, I would never, re I would never erase it. Like it is said, it is done. It, it, what's done is done. And if 50 years from now I was wrong, like I will eat my hat and say I was wrong and like whatever. I have no problem taking that responsibility for the things that I have said. Well, and I feel like this is one of those moments where you keep saying backpedal, whatever. As humans, as as people that are willing to grow and evolve, we should be able mm. to take in new information and change how we feel about a situation and be okay with that. That is how people grow. That is how we don't make the same stupid ass mistakes we made when we were 14 or 15 because we take something that happened, recognize, dang, I could have probably done that differently, better, worse, whatever, and made a change. That is something that we're allowed to and should strive to do as evolving humans. So if this is an opportunity for us to evolve, then I think we take it. If it's an opportunity for us to say, fuck you, we were right, I'm going to take that too. Pocha Coaching brought to you in part by Charlene. Available. <laughs> Cash at. No, just kidding. <laughs> okay, so this was our Weedy Weedy for June. Um, so far in June, we have done very little gay things, but that's because <laughs> I'm gay every day. Cat's gay for everyone. And we talked about Target and all the gay things earlier. We did. Um, but I really enjoyed that you brought this to my attention. I think I would, I may have missed it otherwise, just because I don't watch Disney that often. So thank you for bringing this. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things that are happening in this world that, like, I think I dumped on you some things that we could possibly talk about, um, including inflation. Like, but cat, really? Why? <laughs> also, um, you know? can we talk about a cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Glad uh, we went with that one. <laughs> I think, you know, you should go hug your primos, give them a call, send them a text, tell them you love them, tell them you hate them, remind them of that really shitty thing they did when you were 10 and they spent the summer with you. What's the meanest thing that a primo or prima has ever done to you? Oh my God, my little cousin, who we grew up really closely, he was with us all the time, wanted to fight me over a penny that he found on the ground. <laughs> like physically fight me over a penny because he was very cold and he wanted that damn penny. I don't know what he thought he was going to buy. I mean, maybe inflation, maybe he could have bought something then, but uh, I will never forget that he wanted to fight me <laughs> over a penny. So uh, we had one of my cousins spending the night. So it was my sister, myself, and my cousin all in one bed. And they kept, mm-hmm. like, scooting over, scooting over until I literally just fell oh, off the bed. Yeah. <laughs> and they were giggling about it. And, of course, I was the youngest one. So, uh, you know, I was going to get it. Uh, Natasha Klein, if you'd like to use these as episode <laughs> inspiration, uh, we will be your muse. You can contact us at pochapodcast.gmail.com. We will certainly be writers on your show if you need any content. We are ready. We are chock full of stuff. <laughs> chock full of shit, mostly, but chock mostly. full of stories. Yeah. So this has been the Weedy Weedy for June 2023. I'm still Kat. I'm still Charlene. And we are still at that intersection of brown pride and assimilation. And Charlene, at our intersection, I will colgar mis tenis up there. I love my Adidas, and they should be hanging very proudly. I like that, Kat. Mm. All right. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.